0: This episode of Onward to Victory is proudly presented by WCScreens.com, the banner sponsor for the entire 2023 season. If you have needs with screen printing, embroidery, or more, please check out our pals at West Coast Screen Printing and Embroidery at WCScreens.com. They have nationwide shipping and wholesale pricing, and not only are they big supporters of this podcast, but like you, they are also diehard fans of the Fighting Irish. So where are they at? WcScreens.com. And on with the show. Marching forward with the iconic sights of Notre Dame series, Onward to Victory is proud to share this special episode about the Presbytery. It occurred to me that perhaps not many folks may know much about this unheralded building on campus, so let's go ahead and remedy that. Nestled between the Grotto and the Basilica of the Sacred Heart is the Presbytery, a humble brick building that is often overlooked, though it has served many purposes over the decades. Most notably, it was where Notre Dame's founder, Father Edward Soren, lived, and also the place he died. So buckle up those chin straps, Irish fans. This is Onward to Victory. Mama! Uh-huh. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. As always, I am humbled to be here, and my name is Alex Painter. You have made a sage decision coming here today. We are talking about the Presbytery here for part two of the show's ongoing. Now I can say ongoing now that we are at part two, but the ongoing iconic sights of Notre Dame series. So why do such a thing? An iconic Sights of Notre Dame series, that is. A quick refresher, since part one was already six months ago. Well, it did kick off, again, about six months ago with part one, which was about the Word of Life mural on the Hesburgh Library, which is better known and famously known as Touchdown Jesus. And it was because when I walk around the Notre Dame campus, I always strive to have as intimate of a connection with the structures and the stories of how they came to be and why are they significant, as much as I can anyways. And I thought of the folks who could walk around campus, take in the sites and, you know, quite possibly pop on an episode and take in some information real time while actually walking around the sites. So if you haven't already, make sure you check out that episode. Again, uh, the first iconic sites of Notre Dame, Touchdown Jesus. But anyway, I thought I actually have the ability to walk campus. I live in Richmond, Indiana, which is only about 140 miles from campus. So I kind of make it a point to be in South Bend, I'd say no fewer than three times a year for this or that, often a game or just a family visit. But I also had this idea of kind of creating a virtual campus tour, so to speak, but in podcast form. So that way folks who don't live as close to or have access to Notre Dame like I do or others do could also experience campus without actually being there. So here we are and i am quite excited about particular episode but before we proceed let me give some major roses to the consensus all americans you know who they are but these are the special individuals who contribute to the show monetarily these folks who have either contributed significantly in the past or are currently donating to the show include michael finan of rutherford new jersey brad glazier of williamsburg indiana will fuller of warren ohio Dr. Jeremy Scarlett of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, Andy Nickel of South Bend, Indiana, and Mike Johnson from Oak Park, Illinois. So I thank you all. Wouldn't be here if not for you, and of course you also the listener. And if you want to join the ranks of the Consensus All-Americans, please feel free to visit the collection baskets at paypal.me slash onwardtovictory or patreon.com slash podcast. If you aren't in a position to give hey no worries you can still like subscribe leave a review or tell all your friends and family about the show as well and any and all of these things assures that the show continues to grow here in the fourth year if you haven't already here's a plug for the last episode of the show it was the fifth time we've done a season preview episode and I normally bring in some reinforcements for this particular episode because while i do watch every single game and i follow the current edition of the irish very closely the season preview episode is actually one of those that it's a little bit more fun to be able to bounce ideas and collaborate with somebody so this year i brought in my younger brother colton painter he made his onward to victory debut in the last episode this one's really caught fire so if you whether or not you're a diehard irish fan Uh, you know everyone on the roster, or maybe you just know a few people on the roster and you're looking to learn more. This episode is specifically designed for both audiences. Feel free to jump in and listen to the last episode. So this will be episode 84, the 2023 season preview episode. It's a real doozy folks. So I hope you have a opportunity to listen to it, especially now that the 2023 season is underway. Uh, I don't like to date the episodes too much, as you know, but it was just last weekend that Notre Dame traveled to Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland and really, really took it to the Naval Academy by a tune of a 42-3 to score. And it was about as good of a start as we could possibly hope for. So this coming weekend is the home opener against Tennessee State. And so my co-host from the last episode, my younger brother Colton, and I, and our older brother Ben, and all of our families will actually be there so we'll have quite a good crowd there to enjoy that game and hoping to bump into a few old friends too. head over to the Facebook page and everything's likely going to be very much documented there and I plan on doing some video as well and then also something as a plug there is an absolutely fantastic article written on the alumni magazines website about the Presbytery the very subject of today's episode though I'm not an alum myself I do frequent the website quite a bit. And this article titled Father Soren's House was written by 1985 alumnus Margaret Fosmo, who serves as the associate editor of the publication as well. And it's worth sharing that she does some really wonderful work for the publication. And she captures not just the history of the university, but also some other really thoughtful pieces about religion, current events, The identity of Notre Dame and she writes a thought-provoking column called the gist which is always worth some time by the way if you haven't already read it but at any rate her recent column was used quite a bit and proper attribution will accompany it when appropriate all right so the presbytery some of you might be scratching your heads right now some of you might know exactly what I'm talking about this episode's for both of you by the way But just where is it? Let's start there. So for a moment, let's pretend you're standing in a spot that many would probably share is among their favorite on campus, right between the Basilica of the Sacred Heart and the main building, all known as the Golden Dome. I mean, it is one of my favorite parts of campus and I imagine I cannot be alone. So right after taking the sights here, many people then tend to walk up to the Eastern door of the Basilica better known as the God country, Notre Dame door. And after that, it's actually fairly customary for folks to take that kind of winding path down between the Basilica and the main building to the grotto, which would be on the tourists left as they go down that way. But tucked there between the Basilica and the grotto is the presbytery. It's a fairly unassuming yet sizable three story building between three of the biggest landmarks on campus. If we're talking about the Grotto, the Basilica and the Golden Dome, and really four of the biggest landmarks on campus, because, because I consider that statue of father William Corby out front of Corby Hall, better known as Faircatch uh, fair catch Corby as one of the major landmarks. It's kind of just burrowed in there, but once you see it, you can't miss it. The yellow bricks kind of give it away. So what's the story here with this particular building? This, of course, begs us to start at the beginning. You knew where we were going there, but the University of Notre Dame, as we've heard many times over, was founded in 1842. After Father Edward Soren, himself a tenacious Frenchman, cut through one of the harshest winters on record to journey to the wilderness that was at the time South Bend, Indiana. If you read the account of the voyage itself it's kind of a wonder how Soren and the handful of priests who joined him made it all there in one piece but anyway the school gets its very humble beginnings and gets off the ground in 1842 and speaking of 1842 since it is football season i got a quick anecdote for you i bet there are a number of listeners who may be unaware of the homage paid to the founding year on the football field itself so perhaps you have noticed that the end zones at notre dame stadium rather than painting a logo or a team name across it are simply nine lines on each side so of course nine lines per end zone is 18 and wouldn't you know it each line is ever so slightly tilted at exactly 42 degree angle so there you go 1842 By 1844, the school had received its formal charter and began advertising widely around the community and beyond. Father Sorn was naturally installed as the school's first president. And speaking of advertising, how about this one? A short bulletin found its way into local directories and newspapers, and the excerpt went something like this, A school for young men has lately been opened at South Bend, under the direction of Reverend E. Soren per quarter for tuition, board, washing and mending, $18, end quote. 18 bucks, (laughs) not bad. But the college gutted its way through its first couple decades, often facing financial difficulties or even financial peril. The American Civil War, as we have discussed quite a bit on this show, While it caused dozens of other colleges and universities across the country to shut it was actually relatively kind to Notre Dame at least from an enrollment perspective that is in 1860 so just a year before the conflict broke out the school had a headcount of 198 by 1865 the year that the conflict ended that number had actually pushed past the 500 mark however the school still incurred quite a bit of debt. In fact, it was assessed in the 1850s that Notre Dame was in over its head to the tune of 1.2 million francs. So let's not forget Father Soren was French, and so were most of the college's early creditors. I'm not sure how the franc equated to the American dollar at the time, but either way, this was an immense debt. So throughout the full decades of the school's existence, Father Soren, as best as he could, dedicated what little funds he had on hand for capital improvements, expansion of the curriculum, and of course, fundraising. So the old college building, which sits near the replica of the log chapel and is right off the banks of the St. Mary's Lake, was built in 1843, still stands today, and is nearly as old as the institution itself. Really, Old College is one of the oldest known buildings in St. Joseph County in its entirety. But think about it this way. In 1870, the campus is really dominated by three primary structures. First is the second main building, and it's called the second main building because it is just that. There was one before that. And the current main building, which we now know mostly as the Golden Dome, is technically the third main building but so this second main building which we'll talk about its demise here soon was where a lot of classroom spaces and a lot of the administrative offices were there was also the Church of the Sacred Heart because this predated when it was known as the Basilica of the Sacred Heart so you had the main building you had the Basilica and then you also had Brownson Hall which stood just beyond the main building many folks remember Brownson Hall because well honestly until three four years ago or so it still stood on Notre Dame's campus. It was just demolished. I believe in 2019, 2020, but the presbytery, which is really just another name for a residence for the priests, which is also often called a rectory in modern parlance had its origins in 1868. It was that year that father Soren was named to the position of superior general of the congregation of the Holy Cross which is the order of priests, which Soren belonged to. And Notre Dame still has an affiliation with today. So shortly after Soren's prestigious appointment, it was deemed he needed a much more robust living quarters on campus. So according to a selection from FOSMO's article quote, construction was underway three years later. According to the Scholastic magazine, the foundations of the provincial house facing the lower lake are laid. The magazine reported in August of 1873 by the next month, the buildings brickwork had risen to the second story. The completed structure would be three stories plus a full basement end quote. So again, we're talking 1873, but there is some we'll call confusion on when the structure was actually built. It is commonly shared that the presbytery was constructed in 1869. This is what is actually stated on the application to make the presbytery and practically the entire main and South quads an entry on the national registry of historic places. But FOSMO's excellent research again, proves a construction of the presbytery was in 1873. So she cites an August, 1873 issue of the school paper. And I found an entry in the April 11, 1874 issue of the school paper that reported that work on the home was progressing rapidly. So again, FOSMO agrees with this and that the work continued on the structure well into the later months of 1874. So it can be possibly deduced, I suppose that it is 1869, when they tabbed an architect to begin designing the building. And speaking of, as far as the designer of the structure, the college tapped a familiar face in William Thomas of Chicago. He had designed what is colloquially known as the second main building, which we just got done discussing, but that stood where the current main building, or again, the Golden Dome is today. You can find pictures of the second main building on the internet fairly easily, And it was a really, really large and impressive structure. And we're going to talk about its demise here very soon again. But only because I do find the aforementioned entry for the National Registry of Historic Places interesting. Here is how the presbytery was described, quote, yellow brick slate mansard roof, rounded arch windows with a delicate wood, a rather Victorian balcony and portico affixed to the rear of the structure. Two and one half stories plus a garret. Main bulk of the building is basically French in style, end quote. So I'll point out a couple things because I had to look it up myself. A garret is actually an attic, so the garret is what we would consider today the building's third floor. Uh, I found that one interesting. But the presbytery was not only home to Father Soren, but to all the priests who lived on campus, but weren't embedded in one of the residence halls. So those priests who were embedded in the residence halls to kind of help oversee the day-to-day activities and functioning of the boys in the halls were known as rectors. But as far as floor plan is concerned, today there are 12 guest rooms, as opposed to then, when it was built, just 10 guest rooms and three common spaces used for exercise, recreation, or even dining rooms, which were, of course, used for meals. And I hate to jump the shark and get a little bit out of order, but even to this day, the Presbytery entertains guests. And it is reported that all rooms stay booked for huge swaths of the year, especially, as you might imagine, the fall. But the quarters themselves aren't what you would consider opulent. They're actually fairly modest and have really stayed true to their original design and intent. But anyways, the Presbytery was standing mere yards... From that main building, the second main building again, which actually caught fire in 1879 and was subject of episode number 63 of this show, but the entire building itself was completely destroyed. Fortunately, though, that day, the winds blew from west to east, so while the infirmary, the music hall, and the minimum hall were also destroyed by the blaze, the winds spared not only the basilica from the flames but also the Presbytery. Though the event was a catastrophic one for the campus, Father Soren promised a better tomorrow, which led to the construction of the current main building. Yes, the one with the famous Golden Dome. But there was something I discovered while reading Dorothy Corson's A Cave of Candles, which is available online for free, by the way, And that is that the current grotto, which was finished in 1896, was actually predated by an earlier form of the grotto, which Father Soren built in 1878. And despite it being prominently shared on the grotto's Wikipedia page, I had no idea there was a grotto before the grotto. And only photographs of the top of the octagonal shape original grotto, exists. We don't actually know what it fully looked like. But anyway, according to Corson's work, she shared that, quote, Soren viewed his grotto, so the first grotto, and gardens from the windows of his presbytery rooms. His windows face south toward the grotto and the sacristy, and the west towards the garden area, which would now be the top of the present grotto. A hedge of evergreens bordered this elaborate garden. On the other side of the hedge, the present Grotto Cave was carved from a small hill that faced St. Mary's Lake, end quote. So when considering Father Soren and, of course, his standing as the most venerated figure in Notre Dame history, one must consider the fact that when he wanted serene moments, when he wanted peaceful moments, when he wanted prayerful moments, He probably found them most likely in his quarters of the presbytery, a building which is still there today, of course. So these are things that we have to inject into this story. So here I am. I find it worth actually repeating that the essence of Notre Dame for Father Soren could be taken in through his home at the presbytery. Should he go out his front door, then the Church of the Sacred Heart, awaited him this grotto business i had no clue again that there was a grotto which predated the grotto and perhaps you're like alex is this amateur hour of course everybody knows that well i didn't but i will say that the grotto which we know and love today was built in 1896 which was three years after father soren's death which speaking of as the 1890s begin father soren's health began to wane considerably So the now 79-year-old was the titan of Notre Dame and a pillar of 19th century Catholicism. And he had served his beloved university, to which, again, he had founded for nearly two-thirds of his life. And if we were to go to a specific point in time, that's the celebration of the Feast Day of St. Edward on Notre Dame's campus. The Feast of St. Edward occurs annually on October 13th, and was a perennial celebration at Notre Dame for all the students. And it was in 1893 that it marked the first time that Father Soren was not in attendance. But again, since he had never missed a celebration of the feast day of St. Edward, it was very conspicuous that Father Soren was not in attendance. But as it turns out, he was very, very sick at the time, and a doctor from Chicago was visiting him twice a week, in fact, to assess his health and to treat him. But it was during this time that Father Soren, especially over the last couple years of his life, was mostly confined to his living quarters in the presbytery. Though he was unable to attend the St. Edward's festivities, He did entertain a small delegation of students to his room who proceeded to read him a proclamation of gratitude, which was printed word for word, by the way, in the school. paper. It was really cool. But it was at this time that he, with perhaps his final great measure of strength, lifted himself out of bed and followed the students to his balcony. Once he had arrived and became visible to the body of students, a band, which had gathered near the presbytery, broke out in joyous song. Again, this is all according to the October 14th, 1893 issue of the school paper. According to historian Arthur Hope, quote, He smiled and waved his hand gently to them, then turned and with some assistance, re-entered the room that was to be his death chamber, end quote. It was just days later, on October 31st, 1893, that Father Soren died in his southwest corner chamber of the presbytery. So as was mentioned in Show Lead, not only did Father Soren live in the building, but he also passed away in it as well. So, what about the Presbytery today? There is a room that is called the Soren Room, which is, I know the floor plan has changed as the decades have marched on, but this is generally the area that Father Soren stayed. It is accentuated by a bust of Father Soren in the room. But this is again according to Margaret Fosmo's excellent article in which she spoke to Father Robert Dowd a Notre Dame vice president and associate provost. He said that there are no plans to demolish the presbytery changes and that, quote, we'll continue to use it as a guest house. We put it to good use. I would like to see some basic upgrades without destroying its character, end quote. So one of the upgrades that was mentioned in the article, and if you walk by the building today, you will notice that there are Actually, window air conditioning units sticking out. So he had even kind of mentioned, if we get central air in this place without, you know, destroying again the character of the building, that'd be great. But hopefully the spirit of the building, which is a phrase I keep using, but the spirit of the building and the building itself remains intact in perpetuity. Because now we know it has one hell of a story. And I'll be back with show rap. All right, y'all, I'm not trying to get super preachy about it, but the next time you're thinking about or on Notre Dame's campus, especially that very Hallowed. Wing of campus with the grotto and the basilica and the main building. Don't sleep on the presbytery. Just think about how important that structure is to the campus and to the campus's identity and to the campus's founding. Let's not forget that one. And that's kind of why I chose it for the second installment of the iconic sites of Notre Dame. It would be really easy to pick out the uber famous sites that we all love to make sure that we see every time we are on campus or if we're not on campus or if we're scrolling through facebook or google images these are the ones we must see however i decided for uh, for the second part of this mini series to kind of go after one that maybe most folks weren't as familiar with i know i certainly wasn't as well and so it really just gives you one more cool thing to contemplate and to kind of take in while you're on campus. So the next time you're there, again, look for the yellow bricks right there in that area by the grotto and the Basilica. It's the Presbytery, you can't miss it. I will be there this weekend and I'm gonna take a video while I'm there too, by the way. So make sure you're on the Facebook page, uh, Onward to Victory's Facebook page, because I think I'm gonna do a little short video, Uh, hopefully maybe from the porch, maybe they'll let me do such a thing but that way we can all see it kind of up close and personal. If you have a spot on campus that you'd like Onward to Victory to kind of cue in on, focus in on, put it in the crosshairs, if you will, for a future iconic sites of Notre Dame, feel free to send the show a Facebook message or an email at victory Podcast at gmail.com. I am always open for suggestions. Now I have a couple show ideas coming down the pike. Hey, if you're a Civil War fan or you're an Irish Brigade fan or if you're a Fair Catch Corby fan, make sure you got your antennas up because there's an Irish Brigade themed episode coming this fall, and it's gonna be a really big romp. I assure you that. We did a Father Corby themed episode, but that has probably been about three years ago now. And so I'm at the point now where maybe I'm, I am I guess, assuming that not everybody listening to this right now was listening three years ago. So the time is nigh to do something Father Corby and Irish Brigade involved, because that is really, really important to the identity of Notre Dame. And it's something that we should never forget. So that's coming down the pike this fall, as well as some other really cool football themed Episodes as well, but I'm so glad you were here I'm so glad that uh, you stuck around and hopefully learned something about the presbytery and if you're like me you learned something uh, About the very first grotto on Notre Dame's campus if you'd like to learn more about that I have some informations kind of squirreled away now So feel free to send the show a message or an email and I'd be happy to offload all the information that I have regarding the first grotto But I will say once more, words often fail me when sharing how appreciative I am that people listen to this show and enjoy it and share with me how much they enjoy it. Believe it or not, this is the fifth football season that Onward to Victory has been in existence, and it has truly flown by. I say that as if we're not 85 episodes in, but please know how enjoyable this is for me and how grateful I am that it is also enjoyable for you. So I'd like to give a shout out again to our 2023 season banner sponsor, West Coast Screens and Embroidery, wcscreens.com, as well as the Consensus, all Americans who keep the Subway alumni train on the tracks. And if you're curious about the theme song for the podcast, that toe tapper, that lead in, that is called Knut Rockney" by our pal Joseph Rakish. And just as a Yet another shameless plug here, Joseph Rakish, who is a good friend of the show, whose song again, Knut Rockney, you can find pretty much anywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube. But anyway, it was this June that he released a new album called Space Music. So if you're interested, please, please, by all means, check it out wherever you digest music once again, it's called Space Music by Joseph Rakish, who's a good friend of the show and the composer of our theme song called Knut Rockney. Good stuff. But hey, I better sign off. It's high time. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish.